is brilliant. It's a hero maximum. On the ground, on the ground, another hero maximum. Welcome back to the Maximum Cricket Podcast. Uh, special guest here today, uh, Jacko has pulled some strings, twisted some arms, and he's managed to convince someone to come on the pod with us. Uh, Jacko, tell us a little bit more about our guest. Uh, yeah, so my pleasure to introduce uh, Sam Wilson tonight. He's currently the Canterbury Cricket Strength and Conditioning Coach. Uh, he has worked with the Otago Rugby Academy in the past, the Otago Spirit. Um, I believe he interned for you know, the Otago Volts SNC programming back in the day and then, you know, saw the light came up SH1, which was uh, a blessing for me. So, um, yeah, lovely to have him on the pod and, and hopefully he's got some great insights for the listeners tonight. So welcome, Sammy. Thanks, fellas. Yeah, not pleasure to be here. Long-time listener. Uh, so uh, looking forward to getting stuck in and talking some Gurk. Yeah, and it's a, it's a very good list of accomplishments. Uh, my my best accomplishment is an 100 against a one-armed cricketer. So um, good to be, <laughs> uh, good to sort of punch up with our guests, which is always nice. Yeah, good um, to bring the pod up, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, Sam, we'll just we'll just get cra- uh, cracking into some some questions. Um, before we get some, into some listener topics, uh, there's one particular topic that I personally have always wanted to learn more, and I'm not a fast bowler, so you, so I don't really know this topic that well. Um, mm. You always hear about stress fractures in fast bowling. For guys like myself and other listeners, what is a stress fracture exactly, and how do they commonly occur in this game of cricket? Yeah, so a stress fracture is, is, is sort of in the name. Um, typically, a stress fracture will occur that's sort of multifactorial, really hard to zero in on kind of one thing that will cause a stress fracture. It might be a, a sort of deficiency around your bowling technique. Um, it might be workload related. Those are probably the big two um, that we kind of zero in on. Um, as soon as someone's kind of rehabbing a a stress fracture, a stress issue. We sort of look at a bowler's technique, um, how they're how they're running in, how they're hitting the crease, um, what sort of shapes I guess they're holding. Um, we have all sorts of different actions. There's sort of front on, side on, and a mixed action. Typically, a mixed action is kind of the one that gets um, looked at and eyeballed as the one that can lead to a little bit of a, a stress fracture um, in terms of technique. Um, and then if we look at sort of the workload um, side of things or, or loading, um, I guess at the at the heart of it, um, bowling loading is it's pretty simple. Um, you wouldn't sort of run a, a marathon without building up your fitness first, I guess, and gradually increasing your distances that you're covering off as you get closer to the event. And that's sort of the same kind of idea around our um, our workload management and, and our, um, our sort of stress management with bowling. Um, what will, will typically sort of lead to a, a stress issue, a bony stress issue, is what's called a spike in your loading. Um, so a, a spike can occur basically when we are not prepared for the workload that we're putting upon our body. Um, I guess in the in the sort of New Zealand cricket system and, and the way that we sort of look at our workloads we have sort of level one overs level two overs and level three overs so level ones you can think of those as like a sort of seam release um typically kind of without a batsman small run up very low intensity you'd say sort of under a 50 percent kind of effort 
level twos are between a, a sort of 50 and 80 percent effort and then level threes are ideally sort of your, your match intensity overs um and what we're trying to do i guess if we look at kind of the beginning of the winter is uh start by building up our sort of capacity of level one and level two overs and then working closer into that sort of level three range as we get closer closer to a summer um, typically with those level threes, we're looking to get on, on grass with those where the surface is a bit more forgiving um, as opposed to an indoor concrete surface where you're sort of receiving zero forgiveness from, from the floor. Um, and then shoes and things obviously have a bit of an impact there. Um, yeah, if, if we sort of look at how a stressy might occur, um, it's all sort of based around research into a theory called the acute chronic workload. Um, so so if you bowl more overs than your body has the current ability to handle, then you put yourself at a far greater risk of injury. Um, so let's look at a wee example, I guess. Um, if you if you head into the nets on on day one, let's say you're a clubby, day one of pre-season, and you decide that you you haven't done any bowling kind of up until that point, the, the last season finished, you've gone away, you've you've wintered, you come back on day one of pre-season and you decide that you want to prove a point to the coach, charge in as quick as you can and and don't stop until it's your turn to pad up towards the end of training with with all the other bowlers. Um, that's that's a pretty cut and dried example of a of a spike <laughs> in your loading. Um, you have zero preparation for the amount of overs and balls that you are bowling. Um, and yeah, so re research suggests that a a spike will occur um, somewhere sort of between eight. In 21 days, there's a, a danger period um, where your risk of bony stress injury skyrockets following that spike. So that's the sort of thing that can come on um, gradually over time. You know, it might it might be that you sort of wake uh, wake up the next morning after that sort of day one of preseason, you might feel a bit stiff and sore, but you know, just put it down to general wear and tear and the fact you haven't bowled a ball in a while. But it, it's one of those things that gradually kind of creeps up on you. That's that eight to 21 days where it might be three weeks down the track and all of a sudden you're clutching your back um, and you can, you can barely move, you can barely bowl. And all of a sudden you're, um, you're looking at missing a, a whole season They're They're pretty detrimental uh, injuries to your, to your career. And like, they'll put you out for a, a good solid, you know, like it can be up to, up to nine months. And then if you're getting an operation on it, if you, if you need an operation and going down that route, like it's, it's a long time that you can be on the sidelines. So it's something that, um, especially in kind of the, I guess, the, the amateur amateur game where you don't have coaches writing loading plans and you don't have sort of professional setups and the education that comes around them. It's, um, yeah, it's a pretty pretty real issue, um, especially probably around that kind of teenage, teenage mm. age, um, around your sort of, I don't know, 14 16 year old kids where the body's still mature and you're still growing up um you might not have those sort of professional habits you don't have any of that bowling loading and yeah all of a sudden you're um you're, you're spiking and you can be spiking regularly and it's yeah it's um it almost becomes inevitable it's a bit of an epidemic um really amongst like <laughs> you'd probably ask a lot of, a lot of the guys in the the cannery setup um and it's uh, it's almost as bad as it sounds like a rite of passage um, if you've if you've had one. Yeah, everyone's um, everyone's sort of had one, haven't they? Because I I kind of wanted yeah. to direct the next part on like Jacko as like a fast bowler himself, and you were sort of cracking the Canterbury setup. What's the 
what's it like when you're trying to like obviously crack a side, but you're trying to work on your loads at, as well? Like who's telling you to pull it, pull yourself back? But at, at, in the same respect, you're trying to push your case. Like what's it like juggling that load? Or are people, everyone pretty um, sort of educated nowadays? Yeah, I think we're pretty lucky in the fact that we are, I probably came through after a horror summer. So like the first, I think the first, the year after, the year before I started in the sort of A system, I think there was, like it was the year Canterbury, like Daniel Sands came and played for Canterbury because there was like no healthy quicks in the Canterbury region. So I think the first year we started bowling in May um, to get ready for the season. So thankfully that issue is is sort of avoided in the in the higher higher ranks because you've got such a build up into the season but um yeah i suppose that juggle comes in when you get on grass for the first time and you get into matches and you you are being told like look it's your first or second bowl on grass you should probably don't want to go like 100 percent. but then as you said you've got think there's things on the line so you, you do push yourself so i mean i've, I've had a couple of injuries in pre-season which you know you don't know if they could be avoided if you if you listen a bit more but um those are probably things you learn as a an older head, but um, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. But thankfully, we're normally at the point sort of come September, October when cricket's starting to matter that we are sort of ready to go. Thankfully, um, so those issues sort of get abated away, which is which is a good thing. Who's who's normally like Sam? You'll probably know this. Who's monitoring these lows? Is it is it you as a strength and conditioning coach, or is it the coach himself, or is it a bit of both? Um. Yeah, it's sort of different across um, different organisations. We have our bowling coach, Brendan Donkers, who does all of the loading for our guys. And it's, um, yeah, it's his his puppy and he's really passionate around that area. Um, and I will typically just um, communicate with him. And um, it, it's really important, I guess, in, in my role as the, the strength and conditioning coach to be um, really up to date in terms of that loading. Um if we look at what I'm doing, that's stress. It's stressing the system, stressing the body. The bowling is also stressing the body. So if you kind of have two different people going off in two different directions and and Donks has a period of bowling where he's he's looking to ramp up those level level three overs and get guys really pushing the issue leading up to the season. And then, I don't know, you might have me off in my little silo, you know, trying to get guys lifting X amount of kgs or you know, creating X amount of velocity with uh, with sprints or jumps or bits and pieces like that, um, things can quickly go go awry. So, yeah. But as I said, it's different across different organisations. I know some of the other um, some of the other provinces around New Zealand. You've got the the S and C coaches riding the bowling loads. At other ones, you've got the physio that's riding them. Um, so, I guess that it doesn't matter all all too much who is writing them. Uh, if it is different people, it's just key that they that you are all interacting and working as a as a team around it all, um, rather than just operating off on your little silos doing your own thing. Quite a good insight as well, the like overall stress aspect, isn't it? Because a lot of people will like, especially in the amateur game or, or teenagers, especially they'll be playing a winter sport and or working a tough job and and then doing their cricket as well. So yeah, I think it's just been if you can listen to your body, you it's generally going to tell you if you're feeling sore or tired. So it's it's quite a good thing to 
to realise is that overall stress does play into it. It's not just a, you know, just because I'm bowling now, I'm in danger. It's it's everything you're doing can attribute to it. So, and I think that that's absolutely correct. Like even like life stress, like around around our um, any of our kind of guys, our A's guys or younger guys that have university and studies on at the same time. They're, they're just general sort of life stress, life stress will peak around, you know, whether there's exams or they might have like a, an issue with their flatting situation. They might be moving flats. They might be, I don't know, changing universities. They might be doing this, that, and the next thing. So you've really got to understand your your athlete and understand your player as well um, and not just kind of treat them as a as a little bit of a pawn that you're shifting around the, the chessboard, understanding um, what they've got going on in their life and, you know, how much general overall stress is going. And like me and me and Donks will talk together and we'll edit our sort of workloads and manipulate our workloads around conversations that we have about players. You know, if we've heard a, a certain thing, if we've had a conversation with a player and we sort of get a few red flags around, you know, he might have a, a massive week coming up or he might have this kind of going on in the background. Really important to just play around with, you know, what we're doing with that athlete rather than being like, well, the plan says that we're still going to, you know, we're going to bowl X amount of level threes and then Sam's got this organised for you in the gym. It's almost like, well, you know, balancing the books a little bit um, with that sort of overall stress concept. Yeah, it's a um, it's a pretty interesting topic and it's quite good to get in depth because I don't think, you know, I think the casual fan quite understands, I guess, how how we get stress fractures and what goes into preventing stress fractures. Um, and it'd be, it'd be, it's quite interesting to know, because obviously you've got a rugby background as well. Um, do do we get stress fractures in any other sort of sports or is it just cricket related? Because I don't know if I hear too much of other sports, maybe like basketball, potentially. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's a great question. I think, um, I think shin splints, uh, they're another kind of stress-related issue. You might get some shin splint issues in, in something like rugby, but typically typically you won't see anything anything like a like a spinal stress fracture. And I think that's just due to the nature of the the nature of the, the movements that you're completing. Um there's a lot of that they call it sort of axial load. So it's basically gravity's pushing down on you and then a really hard surface is pushing up underneath you and that's compressing your compressing your spine down. Um, typically sort of general overall strength in cricketers is, is a bit of a work on and just increasing that ability to produce um, sort of large, large amounts of force, which that can protect you um, as well and in, in, in a degree. Um, just that sort of bone density um, and the, yeah, just the ability for you to overcome, I guess, those sort of axial forces and the axial loading. Um, so that's a, that's a big area that I look at with all of our bowlers and um, especially our young guys. It's just like, can we, can we make you strong and can we make you tolerant to those forces that can be, can be so damaging and detrimental to you and to your, to your spine. Um yeah, so I mean that's yeah, that's kind of the, the key focus probably for those for those younger guys coming in. It's not getting too jazzy with what I'm giving them um, in terms of my my prescription, and you know they're not doing all the all the flash stuff. We're just saying, all right, can we get you proficient? Can we get you really good at moving? And then can we 
increase, you know, increase your weights gradually and increase that ability to withstand force. Yeah, nice, nice. That's good insight. Um, Jacko, what when when you sort of first got onto the the Targo A setup when you're a uni a uni boy, how different is the education on like fast bowlers like protection and stress fractures compared to now? It's been a while. Um, yeah, I mean we're turning about the clock a wee bit, but yeah, I think it just comes down to um, like the data on it, and I think once you lose a few guys to it, like people start trying to like solve problems and solve the problems around it. So yeah, I think I even at my time in Canterbury, I think I've noticed a massive shift in and sort of the specificity of like training the body to like get ready for the actual bowling movements as opposed to just like a general or oh, be fit, be strong. Um, because as, as Sam was saying, it's such a specific thing you're putting your body through. Um, even like stuff prescribed to other sports just isn't, isn't going to cut it. So um, yeah, I think back in Otago, it was, here's your gym program. Here's your running, get that done. Whereas, yeah, here it seems to be a lot more, I think, and that's probably a general thing around the country is more than anything is people are starting to realise actually we need to treat cricket athletes especially quite a lot different to to anyone else. So, um, yeah, ch- change quite a bit. Yeah, 100%. Um, we should probably get a, get a listener question in um, as the, as the polled in a few questions and we have, we get to ask a, ask a listener question. Um, but this, this is on the, um, this is for fast bowlers in general. Um, uh, Josh Taylor, he wants to know what are the best uh, exercises that you would give for a fast bowler around your body weight stuff in particular? Yep. Okay. Um, yeah. Body weight stuff. Um, so what we will will look at um, in terms of if we just specifically look at body weight stuff is chin ups. Um, so just your your general kind of upper body um, strength building exercise. Um, really good for that sort of lap development, front arm pull um, type stuff with you, with your bowlers. Um, just generally general shoulder health, um, grip strength. Um, as soon as you start sort of weighting, weighting up a, a chin up, um, and you can do that by, you know, putting a, a weight between your feet or putting a chin up belt on, um, you start getting a lot of sort of abdominal stuff as well going on there. So hitting a lot of our key areas for our fast bowlers. Um, the other ones that we look at, um, a lot of kind of press up variations. Um, so one that the boys are doing at the moment is the kind of extended range push up. So I've got them with their hands on on a couple of plates um, and they are dropping all the way sort of through the middle of the plates. If your um, listeners can sort of visualize that, getting a really it's good more, stretch on yeah, the, on the chest. The so. peck. Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. Peck in yeah. The, and the front of the shoulder. Um, really key again for, for that bowling action, um, for throwing as well. Um, just getting us really as strong and able to tolerate force and produce force through the through the peck. Um, other bits and pieces that we look at in terms of that stuff. Um, I guess it's a body weight one, um, a Nordic hamstring curl. So it's a little bit, um, a little bit of a different one. Um, but that's a really key one for our hamstrings, um, and making our hamstrings really ro- robust and, and strong and able to, again, 
withstand and produce force. So um, we're looking at sort of our injury prevention and just our sort of performance metrics increasing. Um, essentially what a Nordic hamstring is, you could have yourself and a partner, your partner, you could be kneeling, your partner could be holding onto your ankles and then you're essentially just looking to let yourself um, drop forwards or full forwards, but you're looking to resist that movement for as long as you possibly can. So um, yeah, really, really big one for your hamstring. Essentially what your hamstring is doing when you're dropping through that range of motion is, is lengthening um, really, really slowly. Um, but again, a huge sort of injury bulletproofer um, for us. And those are, yeah, those are probably the key ones. I guess, yeah, with that hamstring stuff, it's mainly around, um, if we look at our fast bowler, that front leg, what's that front leg doing? Um, it's basically a huge sort of pullback with your hamstring um, as we hit sort of front foot contact and then coming into our ball delivery. So having a, having a hamstring that's really strong and able to tolerate those forces is, is key. And then hamstrings just super, super important for anyone that has a sprinting and running requirement within their sport, um, which obviously there's a there's a strong element of that within, uh, within cricket. Nice, nice. That's very, very detailed. Um, you're almost giving a gym plan to some people, which uh, <laughs> normally costs a fair bomb for that sort of stuff. So appreciate that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You touched on um, some fielding stuff, and I think that sort of ties into our next question. Um, mm. You'd think this was asked by me because my shoulder is absolutely fucked from years of throwing. Um, but the question is from VIP Pierce. That is a gangster name, by the way. Um, best way to throw <laughs> a ball a long distance without putting undue stress on the shoulder. Right. Um Cool. So I guess we can probably start back at the loading piece. Um, throwing loading is is nearly nearly as important as bowling loading. Um, so yeah, typically and, and ideally we have um, our guys and girls following a, a throwing program, which kind of follows the same sort of protocol as a as a bowling loading program. We start with um, a sort of small number of lower intensity throws typically we can kind of control intensity um, using distance so um, it might be that you start with two sets of 20 throws over 20 meters just aiming to do rather than a flat throw flat hard throw it's just a loopy throw um, and then as you kind of progress you're just pushing that distance further and further back and increasing that um, I guess need to put more energy and force through the ball to get it to the target um, so Again, it's just following that whole sort of start with nice and easy, cruisy, smaller numbers, and then we're just increasing the volume of throws and the intensity of throws until we we get to a certain distance. Um, that's important rather than just being like, well, I'm just going to see how far I can throw it here. I'm going to do X amount of throws at um, you know 50 or 60 metres or whatever, something that's going to strain your shoulder. Um, I think when we look at our sort of gym loading stuff, Again, looking at um, movements like our our press up um, things there that put put our our pec and our the front of our shoulder under strain. Um, the rotator cuff is another really important area of the body that we look to train um, from a from a cricket point of view. So the rotator cuff is just a, a group a group of four muscles um, that make up kind of the shoulder and the shoulder girdle. Um, 
yeah, we can sort of hit that using using our bench pressing and using our chin ups and sort of our big basic stuff. But there's also um, a lot of um, sort of external rotations and um, rows and banded movements and cable movements that we can use to really load up that part of our body and ensure that it's really bulletproof and um, yeah, and not sort of susceptible to to injury and strain and um, things like tendonitis that's another big one that we can get in our shoulder if we just kind of do too much too soon and don't have that ability to handle the load going through it um could be me actually yeah. that could be me actually from when i my my shoulder absolutely it blew out probably when i because this is when before i mean throwing throwing loads were sort of touched on but they weren't really an issue especially because i'm a club player but when when i started playing the uk the uk summer back to the new zealand summer back to the UK summer and just playing cricket and always throwing hard and always like, you know, you know, you, you didn't, I mean, you learned how to throw, but you just, it's just something you like you throw. Like it's just, it's not really, you don't really learn how to throw properly. Like do is technique a bit more, people take it a bit more seriously technique wise nowadays. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, I think it's something that's slowly coming into cricket. Um, cricket is, is learning a lot and taking a lot from baseball, which is a sport that has obviously some really key similarities, um, but it has sports science that goes back a lot longer and I guess traditions that go back a lot longer. Um, whereas, whereas cricket, I think if we look at sort of strength and conditioning and cricket in particular, it's probably only, I don't know, 20, 25 years old um, before then, you know, it was just a, a skill-based sport. You didn't need to really have any real athlete or well work on any any athleticism and um, get too kind of tied up in that in that area. Um, baseball has a lot of like technical aspects that it looks at with their with their throwing, and I think that is starting to kind of drip feed down in, into cricket. Um, I know that New Zealand cricket's looked at in the past bringing baseball coaches um, into. Um, the sort of national team environment and looking at more of that technique based stuff and looking at um I guess finding the most efficient and economical way to to throw a ball and to safely throw a ball. Um and yeah, I think that'll just keep on kind of growing, growing and and becoming more and more kind of commonplace um within within our sort of domestic environments as well and um sort of cricket and in, in a whole as a whole. Cricketers in general as a throwing athlete are probably quite behind the board in terms of your technique and, and your plan, you sort of, you know, everyone sort of has that. We want to be the best fielding side in the comp conversation in pre-season and then you know, September 30th, they, you know, have two fielding sessions where they throw the house down and then and then forget about it. So, yeah, it's, it's just like Sam said, you just, if you can be smart around it and you can, you can get out and you can build it up with a couple of mates. I think playing catch, like sort of the yeah. old American tradition, if you can just do a bit of that at the start of every training or, during training when you're not batting or bowling, you can just you can make some big strides with throwing just by doing a little bit of technical cleanup and just a little bit more of it and build yourself up a bit better, I think. Yeah. I think typically what we see from uh, a sort of throwing pattern in, in cricketers and across probably New Zealand cricketers, it's very sort of upper body focused, especially when fatigue starts setting in. It's very much just a... A sort of shot put style kind of throw from yeah. there without wind up just heaving it forwards, not really using um, 
using, I guess, your, your hips and some of those big kind of rotators and bigger muscles of your lower body, which can contribute so, so much more than just isolating your upper body. Um, so yeah, as, as Jacko said, like, I think it's, it's definitely got a wee way to go. I think it's something it's, it's definitely a sort of an untapped area. Um, and, and something that's, that's a bit more of a work on, um, within the, the cricket space, um, especially when we compare it to the, the baseball space. But again, it's, it's something that's just going to keep on growing and developing. Um, especially, I don't know, now that we've got major league cricket, we, we've got more cricket kind of popping up over, over in the U S so, um, yeah, there might be a little bit of a crossover there and, and some cool things happening in that regard. Yeah, I mean we've you've seen we've seen like swing coaches come into the IPL, um, and I guess like with like everyone at the elite level is throwing properly, but I guess like once we see kids growing up and they've they have good techniques growing up, they're not just here's a ball throw it. That's probably when we'll see a bit of a payoff. Just adding from that, I suppose we've had the the body weight stuff, but. Um, you know, for your, your standard, your clubby or or your young guy starting to get into the sort of cricket specific gym, what would you say would be your top five exercises to sort of, you know, if you, if you press for time or or pushing off? Obviously, bench, bias, tries are your, your beach muscles, but um, yeah, what what are the what are the five key exercises that are actually going to help you on the park this summer, not just um, down some the beach or or St. Clair's on a done a stunner. Yeah, no, so I'm, I'm glad that you elaborated that I can't just list off all five different variations of a, a bicep curl. Yeah. Um, yeah, so if we look at if we look at sort of a top five um, and keeping it sort of general for, for a bit of a clubby, um, I guess my sort of caveat that I want to introduce to start is that we sort of want technique, technique first over load. Um, so... I'll provide all of these things, but uh, just make sure that uh, technically you're thinking about learning the movement first before loading it up. Um, just put that there in the in the small print to start. Um, first one I would probably look at is um, just something where you are driving a bit of maximal maximal strength or maximal force through your your lower body. So. Um, if we look at our sort of big bang for buck movements for for driving that sort of adaptation, um, we'd look at our, our squat variations um, or or a leg press. Um, leg press a little bit easier to to learn, um, and yeah, that your sort of squatting movement a little bit more technical, um, but both of those focusing on um, yeah developing that that strength through your your quads and your glutes. Um, which are obviously really important muscles for for all sort of facets of cricket um, and sort of athletic performance in general. Um, we mentioned it earlier on, so that'll be one. Uh, we mentioned it earlier on, um, chin-up. So I think a, a chin-up is just another really good sort of bang for your buck um, upper body movement, um, really sort of adaptable. Um, every sort of gym space will have a have a, um, a chin-up bar or a pull-up bar. Um, you can get ones for your, for your home that you can put up in doorways and bits and pieces like that. Um, and these just help us to get generally strong through the upper body, strong through your lats. Um, as I said, there's a, a large sort of grip and abdominal demand that you can get from those ones, um, especially if you sort of start getting, getting into weighted chin-ups and bits and pieces like that. Um, the other one that I really like, um, this is sort of a, a plyometric, so it's looking at more of our 
more about sort of creating um, force, but creating it quickly, um, which is really important for, for cricket, which is such a sort of reactive, fast, responsive game. Um, as a some sort of horizontal jump, so we could say a, a broad jump. Um, so that's yeah, we're looking to produce that that rapid force. Um, yeah, there's a really nice kind of crossover between between jumps, between horizontal jumping, like a broad jump, and, and sort of how quickly you can um, you can accelerate and change direction. Um, and I think it gets a wee bit sort of addictive. You can you can do these in just your your sort of commercial gym or at home. Um, I'd use sort of a tape measure, um, put a tape measure down on the ground, stand at the zero, jump as far as you possibly can, take a measurement from the back of your heel, log that, um, tick away at that um, for for a few weeks in succession, and see if you can um, improve the distance that you're covering on that. Um, is a really good one. Um, if we look at a couple of other sort of key areas in the body for cricket, um, abdominals are another one. So uh, let's say like an ab wheel rollout, if we're looking at a sort of specific movement movement for cricket. So um, you can buy those online. Most sort of gyms and commercial gyms have an ab wheel. Um, abdominals really important, produce a lot of force and sort of transfer transfer a lot of force up through the chain from our lower body, up through our abs and then out sort of through the hand if we're looking at bowling or uh, into a bat if we're looking at batting. Um, so yeah, another another really um, key area is the the abs and how we work those. Um, and then probably the last one is another area that we've sort of touched on already, and that's kind of our our rotator cuff or our sort of um, shoulder care sort of movement. Um, so a really classic and typical one is a like a cable or a dumbbell external rotation. Um, and as I said earlier on, we can we can sort of work a lot of um, a sort of rotator cuff through our, our big basic muscles um, but there's a lot of kind of little intricate ones there in the shoulder as well that just get worked um, from more isolated movements like something like a d- uh, dumbbell external rotation um, and it's really important that we do kind of work that site because it is it's a key um, key injury site in cricket and a key key performer as well in terms of looking at our throwing and, and bowling and bits and pieces like that awesome great start so gym program sorted yeah, that, that kind of leads into a, a listener's uh, question. Uh, he goes by the name of XD. Um, there's a, there's some uh, numbers and all sorts following, so it's a bit like a barcode. So I'll just I'll just call you XD, um, and he wants to know what's the best way to recover from a fitness session similar to the one you've just listed uh, from training, or and also like how does that differ from like a fast bowler bowling twenty two overs in a day? How does he recover for like the next day to bowl sort of thing? Mm, right. Um, I mean, when you when you're talking about recovery, there's a few sort of big rocks that won't change, dependent on if your if your exercise session is um, you're just looking to do a, a lift in the gym, or whether you've just gone out and bowled you know x amount of overs in a day and you're looking to you know get up the next day and do it all again. Um, and when we look when we look at these sort of big rocks, I guess the the first one would be your nutrition. So getting in a good sort of post exercise meal, um, a good balance of kind of carbohydrates and, and proteins. Um, if you struggle kind of getting your, your protein in um, via a meal, uh, which some people kind of do after they've done exercise, they don't feel like actually sort of ingesting like a whole food. That's when you can look at your your supplementation stuff. Careful to kind of stay in my lane here, but a pretty sort of typical um, supplement that you'll see 
people taking as like a whey protein supplement. So that's just um, being able to top up the protein, which is a key sort of recovery building block, um, but doing it without, you know, using that sort of whole food or something that's kind of harder to, to, digest, uh, to digest. Sorry. Um, so that's kind of a key one, ticking off that, that nutrition side of things. Um, the other one, if we look at it, um, the really important ones is sleep um, and getting good quality sleep in. So I think most people now have heard sort of the eight hours sleep is, is kind of key. Um, and and it is, and getting a really good quality sleep in as well. So there's things that we can do around our sleep, um, make sure that we um, aren't sitting on our phone too much prior to bed. Um, yeah, sleeping in a, in a good sort of dark room, um, bits and pieces like that. Um, making sure we're sort of down-regulated, we're not um, too amped up and stuff when we're trying to lie down and get to sleep. But yeah, eight hours, not, eight hours. Not is watching the ashes all night. Not yeah, watching the ashes all night. That's real tough. Yeah. Real tough this time of yeah. time of year. Mate, tell me about it. A, yeah, an unnamed athlete this morning confessed to me that he fell asleep in the second session and woke up at four forty-five on the couch pre-gym this morning. So <laughs> <laughs> that's probably a do not, for, you know, athlete yeah. recovery, but. Curious. Yeah, yeah. We won't name names there, but I know exactly who you're talking about. Um, oh, that's a friend of the show. Hydration, hydration is another one. Um, so easy ways to kind of check your hydration, weigh yourself before and weigh yourself after, and um, that's kind of a good judge of, of what you've lost. It's um, it's probably going to be sweat, um, and then you can start kind of topping up based on that number or checking the color of your, your pee post-exercise. So if it looks um, radioactive, um, start drinking more water. Um, Barocca, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that kind of that kind of color, um, or look at like an an, uh, an electrolyte drink, um, and then probably the other the other big one is just stretching, foam rolling, um, probably not just kind of finishing off your day and then going and parking up, finishing up your session or finishing off your day of cricket and just going straight over and parking up on the on the couch and just letting things kind of stiffen up and then all of a sudden you wake up the next day and you're in bits. I mean, there's a. I mean, I'm starting to realise very quickly why my body broke down at 28, <laughs> as opposed to like Jimmy Anderson's playing at 41. Like I'm, very, I'm not ticking a lot of boxes and like from this episode. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Like, no sleep, no stretching, poor diet. Yeah. Uh, beers and, well, there's some hydration, but not the hydration you're talking yeah. about. Um, ground parades. <laughs> yeah, I was, like, I was lucky to get to 28 by the sounds of it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's the sort of um, stuff that you, uh, you you definitely sort of learn the hard way, probably as well. Yeah, yeah but you 100%. don't get it. You don't get it back. Like it's not. It's like I know now, but it's yeah. I'm 31 now. It's too late. The race has been run. Yeah, yeah. sort of. We, we touched on we touched on a little bit, but like maybe just a quick like myths and mistakes in terms of cricket, sort of S and C and recovery. I suppose you know, we, we touched on making sure that technique's right in your lifting as opposed to the weight going up heaps. Um, any other sort of myths or mistakes off the top of your head that, that people should be sort of, you know, getting out of theirs? Um, probably, like, there is there is a specific way that, that cricket is. I think, and we've sort of touched on elements of this in, in, the, in the chat so far, but I think... A lot of a lot of cricketers, especially through the sort of the high school um, age age cricketer, will adopt what generally will look like a um, bodybuilding style program or 
a program that's probably catered more towards um, a rugby athlete, and that's just probably the nature of the nature of what you sort of come across um, when, sort of when you're going through doing. school and what your mates are doing. Mm. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, you know, they might have seen something on I don't know TikTok or Instagram. It's probably uh, like a bodybuilder's style of content where um, they're sort of lifting lifting to failure and um, focusing on all these sort of isolated little areas that aren't necessarily or wouldn't specifically be be catered towards the the cricket athlete. Um, Shane Watson did a bit of that. Shane Watson in that, that Australian area. He was a he, remember him. He was like massive and bowled like really quick, but just like broke down all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a reason Chris Trimlett's the only massive quick that's ever played <laughs> international cricket, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's a reason they yeah. all look like Anderson and Stain and, you know, Bolton right. Southey. Yeah. Guys are also thinking, guys are also thinking about, like, what looks good. They're also like, yeah. like a rugby player does better yeah. um, in, yeah. in the circuit than, than a cricket player. It's, yeah. just, it's just facts. Unfortunately, yeah. that's what guys are thinking, like quite va- like vanity sort of styles, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. A rugby player I mean, stands it, out from the crowd, don't they? That's right. You, you don't want to sort of, uh, when, you, when you're sort of six, 15, 16, it's all about, all about the girls and that sort of social scene. You don't really want to look like a sort of long, sinewy, you know, quick bowler type physique, do you? You'd rather look like yeah, a I can jam. bowl 22 overs, man. Why don't, why don't they want me? <laughs> Honestly, just get me in front of a speed gun and I'll change your mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, no, I mean, that's that's it, isn't it? It's uh, and, and that's probably the big one. Um, if we look at that sort of demographic, it's um, can, can you think about your, your gym program and your S&C program um, more in terms of, I guess a, a needs analysis of of cricket, um, and and for me, that's being able to produce large amounts of, of force, so that kind of general general max strength sort of stuff, and then can you produce um, as much force as you possibly can in as little time as possible, which is essentially that's the sort of game changing stuff in cricket, isn't it? It's um it's our sort of rate of force development, how quickly we can produce that force um, that will impact. Throwing, bowling, sprinting, hitting the ball, um, but it's training training in a specific way. Um, and bodybuilding, there's a little bit that has its kind of place in things, but it's not sort of the the be all and end all of of um, cricket performance, I suppose. Nice, nice. Um, I just got one one last question, and um, I'm not 100 percent sure if this guy is taking the piss or not, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the, of the doubt. So. Um, if this is a stupid question, like let me know, but we'll ask it properly. Um, is there anything you can do to recover faster if you get hit on the box while batting? Because obviously, <laughs> like it's very painful. Everyone laughs. But how do you how do you sort of get back on the horse, so to speak, and face up for the next ball? Have oh, you ever man. had like someone call you out, say, "Sam, Sam, fuck, I've just been cleaned up, boxes, <laughs> boxes and bits." What, that's, what, that's, that's typically where I whip my head around and check if the physio's nearby and just completely <laughs> throw that sort of hospital pass over to them. Um, <laughs> mate, no, I can't say that I've ever had to deal with anything like that. Um, yeah. Um, Guys are just happy Gilmore, right? Just happy Gilmore, like baseball scene, just yeah. trying to strengthen that area. Used to it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's the key. Yeah, maybe that's the key. Um, Take more yeah. shots. Potentially, yeah, just look to build up as much sort of muscle mass and that kind of region what, as you possibly can. 
Yeah. What well, is a game changer is double boxing, I reckon. Strap two yeah. together. Fuck. Double boxing? That's yeah. wild. Yeah. It's game changer. They say that um in terms of like your concussions and bits and pieces like that, neck strength uh increases your uh, or decreases your your um, susceptibility to concussions and bits and pieces like that. So there might be some sort of uh, way that can have a little bit of a crossover to to downstairs. We're talking, you might be able to, we're uh, talking key gal exercises, are we? Yeah, yeah. We <laughs> we, could be, we could just be. That could be the. I'll uh, throw. The, I'll throw another. And are, they my, and are they in my program oh. for Monday? <laughs> Expect them Monday. <laughs> <laughs> I'll throw another cat amongst the pigeons for, for Charlie who answered the question. Um, if you're constantly getting hit in the nuts, you probably should look at your actual batting ability, um, yeah. getting better at it. Like you just shouldn't be getting hit in the nuts that often. If we're being, if Shuffle we're being down. frank, like, yeah. like I'll probably, yeah. how often do you think you should get hit in the nuts? Like once a season? Maybe. Yeah. Once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's tough. It's a tough yeah. watch. Could um, anything be more? Could anything be more polarizing for like the athlete that's been hit versus everyone else watching? Like everyone's <laughs> in hysterics when someone else gets in the box and they are just on the ground having the worst moment of their day. But yeah, as one of the yeah, if someone gets hit, like if you get hit in the in the chest and you get and you fall to the ground, like guys aren't laughing. No, like it's, no. it's only because it's there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Very good. It's the most horrendous feeling, isn't it? Like oh, you're literally yeah. in the in the pits of hell, and nothing, nothing can be done. No, you can't. There's no, no rubbing it. There's no water. No stretching. No. I used to think that I was. Um, I used to like fast forward to like. Well, now when I've, I've got kids now, so it's okay. But like back then, I was like, I might not get kids. Like I'm actually starting yeah. to think, like, is this is this going to ruin my chances of, of having a family? Like down the line. <laughs> Imagine how livid you'd feel as well if, if it all came back to, you know, being hit in the hit in the gonads by, you know, yeah, that by, one by day like at Sunnyvale. Yeah, so big, got you. <laughs> yeah, of course, course, it's GI. Of course, it's GI. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right, all right, Sam. That was um. That was unbelievable. Really appreciate some of your insight on a whole lot, lot of range of um recovery and um fitness and that sort of stuff and the myself and the listeners will take a lot from this episode i i would imagine so appreciate your time and no go easy on jacko uh on monday mm, kegels coming monday kegels can't wait thanks again sammy unreal to have you on mate yes please no that was awesome thank you